Hey there, it's John Platt. You're listening to Direct Line, the absolute best podcast in the Baylor family. This week, I am especially excited to talk with my predecessor, Craig Cunningham. We're going to be exploring the topic of creative work and how you go from idea to calling to commitment all the way through completion of the creative work that you feel called to do. Because creative work can sometimes feel especially hard, lonely, and demoralizing. So we want to answer the question, how do you stay the course despite those struggles through the messy middle and ship that work? In this episode, I'm discussing how to bring that creative work into the world, feel confident and energized through the roughest parts of the creative process, and do it all with a full-time day job. Our guide this week is, like I said, Craig Cunningham. Craig is the content manager for Magnolia and previously served as editor-in-chief of Baylor Line Magazine. In fact, if you go back a few episodes in this show, you can hear Craig's interview with some really important members of the Baylor family, like John Morris, Derek Haas, and both Craig and my predecessor, Sherry Castello. Craig has also been a creative writer for his entire adult life. He recently published a five-book series of long-form poetry titled Theology. He's going to tell you all about that work and what it took to bring it into the world. I am so excited for you to hear this interview. Craig is one of my favorite people, and I think you'll really be able to see that in our conversation. Here's my interview with Craig Cunningham. Craig Cunningham, welcome to the Direct Line Podcast, Thank and you. welcome back to the Baylor Line Foundation. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back here. It's kind of strange to be back in here and uh, see everything that's changed and everything that's still the same. A lot has changed, and a lot is the same. Yeah. Uh, this is the same podcast that you started back when you were editor-in-chief uh, in my position, um, that we rebranded and relaunched. Um, you, didn't so like, you didn't like what I did. I did not say that. <laughs> just kidding, what, just what I did notice is that uh, the previous podcast interviewer did not sound like me. It actually sounded a lot <laughs> like you. And yeah, right. so we, we rebranded, relaunched. Um, no, I love it. I, lo- I love what you're doing. So, so if anybody goes, in back, goes back and listens to any of the previous episodes, they'll get to hear even more of you, if yes. anybody in their life ever wants that. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I know who you are. Could you do your spiel? Could you do who, who you are, tell anybody who doesn't know you uh, what, what it is you do and um, what you're loving doing, you know, in these weird days? Yeah, so so currently I work at Magnolia. I manage the content team there. So anything that has words on it typically comes through our our team and goes out into the world. And so that's been a, a really great experience working there and learning kind of how that that machine operates and being a part of that and kind of being able to tell stories about products and about events and about just everything that Magnolia is involved. And you've been there doing. for? I've been there for a year today, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, one year today for me. Yes, that's right. We we just kind of I handed it off to you, and yeah. you started, and I started the next day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Prior to that, I was working here at the Baylor Line as the editor for three years. For for three. two years, two years and okay. some change. Yeah, 
And how many magazines did you do? Did you do seven? I believe we did six. Okay, cool. Cool. Six magazines. Uh, graduated from Baylor in 2008 with an English degree. I, I was a Waco kid, grew up here. Um, after Baylor moved away and then came back for the Baylor line job and have been here ever since. I have a wife who went to Baylor with me and then we have two daughters, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Very cool. And currently we have a, another, we have a foster child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, yeah. Who's a four-year-old. So I've got three, four, five-year-old girls. And, oh, Lord. And things are kind of crazy. Yeah. Good, but crazy. I can believe that. <laughs> so, okay, so um, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, more than a couple of weeks ago, you texted me and you were like, hey, I really want you at this very small event um, in the Undercroft. Uh, and it was a book launch, but it wasn't a normal book launch. And not just because we were down in an old dungeon uh, with uh, uh, whiskey and wine and beer in some <laughs> lockers, uh, but it was a very different type of book launch because there were five books actually being launched. Can you talk to us about um, the series that you created and why you think that it is so important to have created it. Yeah, so it is a, it's a series of five books. It's called Theology. I've been a, you know, my whole career has been writing and telling stories. And that's my nine to five. So, I, you know, kind of separate my life into my career, which is writing and being creative and working on uh, film projects and writing projects and obviously the beta line publishing projects. Uh, but then this other side of me is the pre-dawn, weekend, uh, late at night kind of work, which is creative writing and, and creative yeah. projects in general. Yeah, one of your one of your coworkers at Magnolia told me something about you that I didn't know, and it's that you get up at five a.m. to write. I do and you write I for do. two hours? Yeah, that's crazy. I'm in a. I'm, I'm kind of at, once this project launched, I, I took a little bit of a break from doing that. Yeah. So I'm getting up at a little later now. I'm still getting up early. What's, what's a little later? Like 6.15. Oh, okay. Six, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Like I thought you were going to say something like 5.15. But, no. going to be mad. <laughs> no, I'm really sleeping in right now. But when I'm in the middle of something, I, I have to get up that early in order yeah. to do it. Because I, there was there was a time a couple years ago where I was, I've, I've always been a writer and I've always wanted like been working on these big projects on the side. Yeah. And especially after kids, but even before that, I was finding, I was getting frustrated because I didn't have time to do what I actually wanted to do. Mm. And it was... It was kind of, um, you know, I was wondering why I wasn't making as much progress as I wanted to. And it really came down to me not getting up early enough. Because yeah. that was the window of time where I could actually control that time. Yeah. I could get up. I could have as much time as I want before any other obligations or any other responsibilities come in. And that was kind of the key. Like, once I made that switch, I f my the volume of my work, and not only the volume, but also what I think the quality of my work improved drastically just because I was so focused and, and so deep into this ritual of getting up, being alone, working, and then kind of your day starts and you move on and you come back to it at night briefly and then you just do it again the next day for years Yeah, <laughs> until it's done. So after, but, after how many years of getting up at 5 a.m. riding for two hours, did it, did it take you to, and there were originally, uh, hang on, there were originally seven books yes. in the series, right? <clears throat> yeah, so the kind of, where it began was on New Year's Day of 2018, I believe. Um, 
I got up at 5 a.m. and was unable to sleep and was, was kind of just reading in my office. And I was actually reading the book of John. I opened the book of John to John 1, 1. Uh, with no real intention to write, I was kind of in between projects. I was actually I was actually at a somewhat of a low point creatively because a a big project I'd been working on I thought was going to sell. My agent thought it was going to sell, and uh, about six weeks before that, <clears throat> got news that it was kind of dead in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, not 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 fully, but right. the best hopes I had for the project were kind of out. Yeah, and so I set it aside and paused for six weeks and didn't write. And just kind of was reading and kind of recentering who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be, the kind of projects I wanted to work on, and asking myself kind of the questions that I feel like I hadn't asked in a while. Yeah. And so got up early that New Year's Day, started reading John, and, and, and you know, as I was reading, I grabbed my notebook and just jotted down a few lines that came to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were kind of interesting. It was weird. It was like, kind of poetry, kind of not poetry, just kind of free verse that came out of that experience. Well, I got up the next day and did the same thing and the same thing. As I, and I just started reading through John <clears throat> and doing that, writing, the, writing this kind of free verse work that was kind of strange but also kind of uh, magnetic. I mean, there was, there was something to it. There was, there was a power in it, I felt like. And I, so I did that for a year. Or, I'm sorry, I did that I did that process, not for a year, but I did that. I went through the book of John for, for mm-hmm. the next maybe three to five months. Okay. Until I had this kind of manuscript of this work. It was really strange. I sent it off to a university press, not really thinking much of it. Uh, and, and they sent back a, 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 an offer, a publication offer. So... They eventually that offer was withdrawn. I requested a lot of changes to the contract, which in retrospect, any any self-respecting publisher would have <laughs> withdrawn the contract because <laughs> of the things that I requested. Um, but it it told me, okay, there's something here. Like there there's yeah. a project here. I yeah. don't know what it is yet, but there's something here. This it's not just crazy work. It's not just crazy poetry. Like yeah. someone else read this and liked it and thought there was an audience for it. Mm-hmm. And this, this work was really, like, a, the way I describe it is kind of the height of my mind and the depths of my soul. Like, this was my, this was my mm, work. No, no, say that again. The height of my mind and the depths of my soul. I love that. It really was. Like, this was, this was, I've been writing for a long time, and I've written a lot for trying to hit a market. Yeah. You know, trying to hit an audience or writing for a client or, yeah. uh, but not writing that, that deep, deep, deep soul work. Yeah. But this brought that deep soul work, but also kind of an intellectual work that I had never brought together. So it was really special to me. And, and hearing that somebody wanted it, even though it was a, a small press and even though the contract didn't work out, that, that kind of gave birth to the series. And so from there, I had this one So book. Somebody, somebody else's almost yes that turned into a no mm-hmm. was enough of a yes that you could say yes to yourself. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it, you know, I I think you and I've talked about this before and it's the the role that affirmation plays in the creative process and and how much, you know, how much affirmation do you want before it's no longer creative and it's, you know, something more corporate, but but that was whatever enough is. Hmm. That was the enough that you were like, okay, someone would want this 
even if it's not this person, this this publisher. Exactly, and I've and I've I've written projects, you know, throughout the past. I've written novels and and scripts and things that I like, and I get some form of validation from an an external yeah. source that says, "Wow, this is good. This could maybe happen. This is whatever." But something in there, because it was so personal, it's like, "Wow, somebody actually likes the things I'm saying." It wasn't just that. Okay, you're you're a capable writer, or this story could maybe work. It was like the ideas that you're sharing have value. Mm-hmm. They're interesting. I want to, uh, uh, and and so that was what I wanted to chase was to, you know, t- to dig deeper into these ideas because somebody had actually said interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. And so from there, um, I built out what was originally a seven book series. Yeah. So that first book was called Nazarene, which was, it's, it's through the, the gospel of John. It's going to be the most familiar story because I didn't come up with it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I built out a seven book series where that book is kind of, is, was book four. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, the other books were, were all original. So they so were this, original so, so hang on here. There were a lot of numbers right there. Yeah, um, sorry. It kind of it kind of got a little Star Warsy. Um, <laughs> number four was number the first the first book I wrote. W- yeah. the fir- it was it was a New Hope. Nazarene is a New Hope, right? <laughs> right okay, right. so so then, so you wrote what is now four first. Mm-hmm. That's right. Does it does it matter if it's book four? Do I have to read book one? No, not necessarily, because the. Okay. It, it, the way that I built out this series, the yeah. the, char- the the stories and the characters change with each book. Okay. The circumstances change, the settings change, everything changes, but the themes are carried through all five books really strongly. Do you want to do you want to just like hit book one, book two, book two? Like like give me the give yeah, me the, the the synopsis. Of yeah. It. Okay. But I, but I'll finish the the. Okay. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wrote I wrote seven books. Yeah. I planned out seven books. Wrote seven books. And then when I got to the editing phase, two of them, I felt like we're not, mm-hmm. either weren't strong enough or didn't fit with the other ones as well. Okay. And so I cut two books, which we can talk about that at some point if you want to, this idea of like mm. knowing when, when it's not right. But it, I, I, wrote, I wrote like close to 10,000 words one time, and you wanted about 2,200 max, and you were already like, dying that I was going to give you 2,200 words. And I, I cut out those, you know, 8,000 ish words. And it was, it was the Sandtown piece. Yeah. And that that. Sandtown piece was, I mean, seriously, maybe it's one of the best things I've ever written once it was cut down and edited. Hmm. Um, but it may, it may, it's, I don't know. I don't like to, to, to quantify work on like a scale, but, but I get what you mean of like, how how much better five books came when it was yes. originally seven. Had I done the seven, yeah. it would have been a worse project. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. So okay, okay, so give me so give me the, the, the synopsis. Yeah, so it's called down to five books. Uh the way that I built it out and why Nazarene was in the middle was because yeah. I wanted it to reflect the overall narrative of the Bible. And it doesn't mean that, that the characters from the Bible are in these books, but yeah. the idea of how the Bible flows uh, I wanted these books to flow in that but way. But it starts it starts with a beginning and it yes, ends it starts with, with, the beginning. So, with a future ending. Yeah, so so book one is called Patriarch. It's about a father of 12 sons 
who finds this fire on the mountain and is called, hears this calling to send that fire around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as he's, as this is happening, there's a king in his own, in his own city who's yep. building a tower of gold. And, and so there's this, this conflict there where it sets up this theme that's going to run throughout all of them about rulers and you. Yeah. And when your calling is at odds with rulers over you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the main conflict that's going to be through all the books. Uh, but yeah, so patriarch, it's, it's, patriarch is very Old Testament. Okay. It's very Jacob and Esau. It's King Nebuchadnezzar. There's yeah. a lot of, of Old Testament themes in that book. Uh, the second book is Defector. That book is, so in the, in, the, in the flow of the Bible, that book fits into the idea of how one, once you have a king, things can go badly. So this, like where Judges is, mm-hmm. uh, you have rulers that are, that are bad rulers. So yeah. the, story of, the story of Defector, we jump forward in time, obviously, but it's, it's kind of modeled on Soviet Union, communism, and an authoritative state. Okay, is, yeah. And, 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 and specifically, the main character is a, is a musician who defies this, intentionally defies this totalitarian state, and there's a manhunt for okay. him. Uh, but, I, but I wanted that story to reflect kind of what happens when, a, at the, at the, at the, when rulers fall, when mm. they become tyrannical, what yeah. happens. Uh, the third book is the fall of what would be a civilization. So uh, it, it reflects um, a lot of the inspiration for book three, which is called Reza, was Syria a few years ago. Yeah. When they were just decimated by civil war, yeah. it was like, what? What actually is a civilization? Who's keeping it together? What do you do when things are totally, totally disintegrated? Who's going to rebuild? And so that was that. That's the the root of that story. The main character is a ferry captain who's ferrying refugees off of a city called Reza, mm-hmm. a, a fictional city called Reza, but is called to return to that city and relight mm. the altar at the center of the city. Yeah. And so that book is more of like, kind of like a John the Baptist prophets. Uh, kind of like Nehemiah. Way. Yeah. 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 Very, like, very good. Go, go rebuild the wall. Yeah. Go rebuild the wall. Yeah. That's right. Um, make, make the way for the yeah. coming Messiah. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to Nazarene, yeah. which is, which is the Messiah, the mm-hmm. kind of the hope after mankind has fallen. Yeah. Like they've, they've, they've been called, they've been ruled. They have fallen. The society has fallen. That's book three. And then we've got this Messiah, this hope for mankind. Uh, Nazarene. And then book five is Vigil. And it's about the underground church. It's about what happens when you take book four, yeah. what Jesus has called us to, and you, and you apply that to the world as it is and, yeah. and the forces that are going to push back against that and, yeah. what, and what, how that story unfolds. And you told us at your, your book launch that you could read any, any one of the books that you wanted to. They, you don't have to read like book one, two, three, four in order. You can read any one of them. But you told us just don't read book five first. You yeah. need to have read the others to read book five, right? Right. Okay. You don't, I mean, you could, you could jump into book five. I think book five, the themes move through all the books. I think they mature. They finally, they yeah. fully mature in book five. Yeah. And so to just jump right into them, you might miss some of the I think language. you said something like book five is the most theological or something like that. Book yeah. five is the most philosophical or, yeah, or for sure. something like that. Okay. And it's where I really get to what I'm saying in the yeah. whole series. Yeah. But Which is? 
<laughs> One sentence. <laughs> Which is that... Can you do it in four words? All of us are intentional creations of an intentional creator. That's more than four words, but that's really good. These books are a lot about God calling people yeah. into something. And 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 not I think that calling is costs far more than anyone is willing to admit. Yeah. I think it costs everything. I think it's I think the cost is death. Yeah. You move into that calling, it, it, it takes all of you. Yeah. And those callings can be different for different people, but um, I mean that's what a story is, right? You get the the hero gets called into this great journey. Yeah. And I think God does that with us. I think even these even yeah. these books were a calling to me. And it may not be just these books, but yeah. the calling on my life is to create powerful work. Yeah. That um that like you said is imitates that creation of God. God yeah. creates the world. You know, he creates he he puts order into the void. Yeah. And I think that as an artist, that's my calling too. Mm-hmm. Your calling may be different. Other people's callings may be different. But I do think God, I think when, when we are willing to see and, and open ourselves to that, um, we get called into these, into these journeys or into this life. And then the, the distinction there is courage, I think. Yeah. Are you willing to actually move towards it? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to give up everything for it? And that's where we say, you know what? I'm gonna just. I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the church thing or whatever. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. Whatever. I'm gonna have a nice life and believe in God, and that's fine. I think. I actually think that's fine. But there's a difference in in, in moving towards that calling and being willing to to give up everything you have to. Yeah. Uh, in in the pursuit of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean the the. The way to break down Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is is around the three C's: calling, community, courage. You know, and you've got to move through those mm-hmm. three C's. You know, and Campbell talks about the herald. The herald is always there ahead of the calling. The herald announces the calling. The herald says, "Look out! This is a coming soon." You know, the herald mm-hmm. is because uh, the you know, because the, the greatest story ever written is, and I've already mentioned it once before, Star Wars. <laughs> in, in Star Wars, you know, the Herald is uh, R2-D2 playing the little clip of Princess Leia for Luke. That's, that's the Herald. You know, you, you don't meet the actual calling, the actual guide, you know, until later when you get Obi-Wan, when you get the, the aunt and the uncle dead, when he has to go fight, you know, with the rebellion. Mm. Um to 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 kind of geek out on story a little bit more, did you did you and and I because I because I, I did three three years of twice a year doing the hero's journey lecture in mm-hmm. Bob Darden's class and every single year I'd have some kid come up to me and say something like you know well I'm a writer and I don't use a formula you know and <laughs> did you in in this did you use like the hero's journey to model it did you use like like strictly did you look at the plot of you know Genesis Exodus Leviticus and just try to make that plot just with different characters how how did you formulate this this arc this plot narrative this yeah i have a it's based on hero's journey and Blake Snyder's Save yeah. the cat. Yeah, I think that saved the cat. Yeah, but save there's, the cat. there's different. Yeah. There's story structures out there. Yeah, 
and I have I have taken those and created my own way to plug in plot points essentially. Yeah. Where I didn't used to do that. I used to think you know real writers write wild, real wide, real 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 writers just go. Yeah. And and they create something. But I'm I'm long past that now. Everything I write, I I, I outline, I plan it out. I know exactly where Act Two is going to start. I know exactly yeah. where Act Three is going to start. I know when everything is lost. I know how it's going to end. I know the opening image. You know, I, I, I'm very much a proponent of building out a story. Yeah. Well, before you start writing it. And to keep going on the like. And then actually, that makes. And then writing is actually easy. Yeah. Yeah. What's, the, the what's story is the hard part. The and then it's just like okay, I got to get I got to get yeah. this down on paper. Yeah. This is a little different because it's poetry, so the the language is rich. Yeah. Uh, or richer than say like a novel or a short story, but. Yeah. The, the hard part is getting the story and knowing what the themes are going to be, knowing what the, the images are going to be, how you're going to execute them. And those things all happen before you actually start writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, keeping on the, like, the, the nitty details of this, because I'm, I'm going to need to see that outline, because I geek out <laughs> over that stuff. Okay. Um, but the... Uh, how, how were you writing this? Long Longhand, computer, no, no, no. like, no? Okay. Because no, the way you, started, you you talked about reading John and then you grabbed a notebook and you started writing. And right. So did you write everything in the notebook or did you do it on the computer? No, I write everything in my computer, but throughout the day I have a notebook with me all the time. Yeah. That I that I take notes in and or I keep I write in my notebook all day. Yeah. But when I'm actually writing on a project, I write it on my yeah. computer. Okay. So you're you're gonna go back to, uh, I think you've told me like you've seriously been writing for as long as you can remember like even when you were a kid like you you, you no thought, no the uh, okay. <laughs> the when i was 18 i was in a a, a church group i was i wasn't oh I wasn't, yeah, yeah the yeah. the men's the men's group that's right. yeah yeah that's right. group of young guys uh we met outside in the parking lot backed up our pickup trucks together and we had this really charismatic really wise leader who, yeah. who invested in us that year but the opening night he gave us a journal, he handed me a journal, and he told us all to go home and to write what we wanted our life to be like. Yeah. Like, what what do we want our life to mean? And so, I, I guess I was 17 at the time, but went home, wrote what, that down. I what never did you done, write? I don't know. You don't I, should, I can actually go back and look. You should go I back probably and should. Because I have all my journal. I keep all my journals in a, in a, in a place. But, um, yeah, I wrote that down. I'd never thought or done that before. I obviously had written essays at school and things like that, but... Um, something in that moment, come and I came back the next week and read. I read what I'd written down, as everyone else did as well. And something in that moment, like it just clicked. It 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 was a, it was a kind of an awakening moment where I can I realized, yeah, whatever's in my mind, I can I can make real. I can write it down. It can be it can go from my mind into reality. Okay, you know it can it can, uh, yeah. So okay, so so you're you. You go back to that kid that finally realizes, like, oh, hey, like, I have, I have this agency, I have this ability, I, I can, I can do this. <laughs> what do you tell him? Oh man, I would say it is going to take way longer than you think. Yeah. To realize what you want to say. That's good. And you have to do the whole journey, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna, you're gonna. Try and fail a million times, and even then you're not going to know what you want to say, and it's going to take a really long time. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. And I think, I, and, I, and I, I was thinking about this recently about 
that the mark of, I wouldn't say a successful artist, but a an artist who is, yeah, maybe I would say a successful artist, more so than talent or anything else, it's endurance. Are you willing to work over a long period of time? Are you willing to get up every day and do it? To fight the resistance. To fight the resistance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. who's... who's Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, that's right. That, that Stephen Pressfield? War of yeah. Art. Yeah, War of Art. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, and then recently, and then thinking about that, maybe in the same day, this was like a couple of days ago, I saw I saw that quote that we've all heard about. It's not how many times you fall down; it's how many times you get up. Yeah. It's actually yeah, I, I, have, I have this phrase that I I beat into the people that I work with head, and it's <laughs> failure is not an option. It is a requirement. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, I think that I think that quote is kind of wrong. It, it it actually is how many times you fall down because yeah. you need to fall down a lot. Yeah. You fall down and you get up one time. Okay, you you wrote a poem and you read it yeah. to your mom and she said good job and you never did it again. You got to fall down a, a, a hundred times on yeah. this journey and get yeah. back up a hundred times and get back up a hundred and one times. So I don't know what I, that's what I would tell that seventeen year old. A guy that you and I really like, Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. Um, he he says. Uh, that the people who fail the most succeed more often. Hmm. Yeah. Because it's the people that, that it's, it's, you know, and another thing, like, an, like another way that he says that is uh, the, the people who come up with the best ideas come up with the most ideas. And it's not the best ideas first. It's all of the ideas, the best ones just stand out that you yeah. constantly, you know, you know yeah. I mean, you, you constantly just come up with ideas. How, how many, I mean, you know, how many other, let's just call it projects. Cause you know, we could call it a thousand everything. How many other projects did you do before you found theology? It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not, it's actually not, it's, this is just how it works, but and again, separate separate my career. Sure. Which, which yeah, yeah, yeah. How how many how many you know I I like to call it a hobby instead okay. of like you like you call it yeah. career and pre dawn. Yeah. I'd, I call it work and hobby. Yeah. Like, okay. Like how so many work hobby projects, projects did like, you do? Let's yeah. separate those, which has been yeah. substantial and fulfilling in its yeah. own way. Um, projects that no one's paying me for that I'm getting up early and working on weekends and nights. I would say that I've probably, gosh, John. No less than five novels that I think are actually good, and and that doesn't count the ones I don't say, think are let's good. Let's say let's say I don't know how long an average novel is. Uh, I mean anywhere from anywhere from sixty to a hundred thousand words. And let's say I don't know how long it takes to write sixty thousand to a hundred thousand. There's words. you know so it takes a long time depending yeah. on who I mean. So there's a, there's one book that I wrote when I started my senior year at Baylor. I started this book. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very, very, it was eerily similar to uh, the work of Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who I was reading and obsessed with at the time. So I, d- I, wrote, I wrote a novel like that, too. I, I read the fourth Harry Potter book and hated it. I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever written in my entire life. So I just rewrote it <laughs> right. as, as what with I would want it to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyways, I started that book yeah. in my senior year, and it, was, it went through many transformations. But, I mean, even uh, that was, that would have been... 12 years ago, yeah. uh, four years ago, I was still doing rewrites of that book because there was so much, there was, I thought it was really good. I still think it's good, 
but I, I had to rewrite it. I was like, man, this is not this is not me. This is actually this is him. I need, but the story is really interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna rewrite it. I'm gonna change names. I'm gonna change the way I have language. Yeah. So that's one book. Yeah. Over a journey, that um, you know, we did a I did a kid series that. I could go into all these projects. There's been a lot of projects. I love. I, I was just telling somebody about the Octobers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. There's that book. Those that series of books. There's um, scripts I wrote on spec that I, yeah. I, one of them almost got made. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's been a lot of almost. There's been a lot of. Yeah. The agent is so excited. There's been a lot of. Yeah. You know. And you and you said that. you said something at the book launch that was something to the effect of, and I'm, I'm gonna. Paraphrase. I'm not going to be as eloquent, but you said something to the effect of, um, "I used to have that dream of hitting the New York Times, but now I'd rather write a book that I love, or yeah. something, something like that." Yeah. And that that reframing of it's no longer about the outcome; it's about the output. Yeah, exactly right. And so the, that's that's the getting up at five a.m. That's the, it. Doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if in three years you're on the New York Times. It matters that tomorrow you get up at 5 a.m. That's right. And that's and, and in the small, and, and, I'm, and keywords small, yeah. um, moments of success that I've had, uh, it's, it, 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 it gives you nothing. It really doesn't give you anything. The, yeah. the only reward is the work itself. Uh, and, and now that you say that, going back to what I would say to that 17-year-old, that's another thing I would say. If you if you don't actually like the work, you're never gonna find joy in this. The, yeah. the the joy is the blank page at five a.m. So. So your your. The the alarm goes off at at four forty five, you know, or or whatever time it goes. If it goes off at four fifty five, whatever time. Yeah. Um. And you just had you know. It wasn't, before. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad day. Okay, it wasn't an awful okay. day. It was a shitty day. Why do you still get up and ride at five? Why, I mean, why does... Because if I don't, the only way for me to have a good day is to get up and ride at five. Oh, that's good. That's it. <laughs> Boom. That's it. If I don't write, if, or if I go through, if, yeah. I, if I'm on a project, and again, I'm, I'm kind of in between right now, so I'm not yeah. quite as devoted, but when I'm on something... And I don't, and I, and I let myself down yeah. by not doing it and getting up and working, then I feel that all day. And it's hard to recover from that for me. Yeah. Because if I don't, if I don't exercise my mind and my heart and my soul, if I don't like, if I don't push myself into that work, then the day is a lot more hollow than it would have been. There's another piece of this work that's, that's hard beyond just the getting up on a normal day at 5 a.m., beyond getting up after a shitty day at 5 a.m., there's the, it's the opposite side of affirmation. It's the rejection. What, what do you, what do you tell yourself? Hmm. What story do you tell yourself, be honest, when you hit that rejection? And what story do you wish you were telling yourself? Well, I've hit I've hit it a lot. Yeah, I've, I've you got I've yeah. failed a lot. Yeah, uh, you know. Are you better at it now than you were? Oh, for sure. Okay. I mean, even even when that contract was revoked before yeah. this project, that was a, that was rejection sure. in some way. 
Uh, so what, so what but story? I, I saw that as an opportunity. It's like, oh, great. Now I don't have to share this with anyone. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to give away part of this to yeah. you. I get it back. Um, so I don't a, know. I, I think I deal with rejection a lot. In the past, and it goes back to your motivations for working. In the past, when my motivation and my dream that was misplaced now was to hit the bestseller list, to be on the octagon at Barnes & Noble when you walked in, you know, yeah. to see my book in, when I'm walking through an airport. When that was my motivation, when you don't... What's an airport? <laughs> when you that, Is that a thing that used to happen thing, before 2020? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's right. Then when you fail, your agent tells you, or you, or you, you, the agent doesn't, you don't get an agent, or you get an agent yeah. by some chance, <laughs> and then they send it out and they don't, nobody wants it. Like, that's a hit because your motivation is wrong. Yeah. And so it, I think that takes age and a lot of failure and wisdom to realize it, it's not just the work that's wrong. My motivation is wrong for doing any of this. Yeah. Like that, th- those things that I'm striving for. I'm starting from the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Then if you, if you reframe, if you recenter, start from the right place, which I think I have in more, at least lately, maybe I'm not there quite yet, but certainly more lately, um, if my motivation is to create work that I feel like I'm called to create, mm-hmm. I can do that. Like, I, I can do that without, fail, without failing in that same way. My failure would be me not being obedient to the calling in my life. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so so what do you say to someone who hasn't reached that point yet? That that person who still, you know, the to to bring up some Seth Godin vernacular again, you know, he he talks about taking it personally or taking it seriously. What do you what do you say to that person who's still taking it more personally than than seriously? Because rejection is serious. It says yeah. it says something. It says either this is the wrong thing I made, or I gave this thing I made to the wrong person. What about that person that still takes it too personally? I'll be honest. I I took my first magazine way too personally. Hmm. You know, you I and I. You, you and I remember I, you were you were upset about that. Yeah, I mean, it's and it it's it's things in hindsight that were so incredibly useless to mm. worry about, um, <laughs> but it was so personal to me, and that's that's right. I did call you, and you I, you I don't think you said you're taking it too personal. But you said something like that, and it was mm-hmm. a good recentering. And I think I did this latest one a lot more emotionally steady hmm. by remembering that it's uh, the the printer that we use to print the magazines, Rick, at the very end of the process the in the spring, Rick said, we all do our hardest to make it the best, but at the end of the day, it's just ink on paper and I have like I want that tattooed on my arm I want it tattooed on the inside of my eyelids like it's It's just just ink on on paper paper. yeah and so so maybe it's not even because that part now that you bring it up that wasn't even rejection like that's not even like the the emails you know that you get about you know you put a comma in the wrong place you idiot like it's you judging yourself yeah what do you so so ooh some therapy right here what (laughs) 
It's not bad to judge yourself. I think that I right, think... but but how do you, how do you how do you stop yourself from? It's not it's not bad to judge yourself. It's not bad to have standards for yourself. What do you do when you find yourself either beating yourself up, over criticizing yourself, over, like like over obsessing hmm. over the wrong things? How are what's that what's that story that you're telling yourself to stop that from taking over? It it pro- so it probably means you're not working enough on the next thing. Mm. That's what it probably means, because if you're if you are being obedient and working and pushing, uh, and there's a time for rest, of course. But sure, if you're if you're dwelling on something you did and the mistakes you made, it means you're not working on yeah. what's in front of you. Yeah, because even now, like, and I remember with the magazine. And you know this, but by the time the issue comes out, you're 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 waist deep in another if, issue. Yeah, you're not thinking about that. You're almost surprised by the stories you see in there because yeah. you're you've forgotten or you're just not. It's in been that it's moment. been it's been three weeks since you said good to go. It's printed. been done. Yeah, but if you're if you're if you're worried about if something comes out, let's say, and there's a there's a mistake, someone's name is spelled wrong, there's a typo, you made a huge error or you failed. Yeah. People hated what you did. It means that you're probably not pointed in the right direction. You're pointed backwards, not forwards. And so I think for me, like, I have had a lot of failure, believe me. Yeah. W- especially on the creative side of my life. Um, but you start the next project. You move on. You, 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 it's not only a learning thing. Of course, you learn along the way. But it's also, it's like life, life is long. For, for a lot of us, it, it maybe it's short for some of us, but what this project that, and even thinking about these books, I'm 34. I'm going to do a lot more projects in my yeah. life. These are going to be, I hope these are important. I hope they're successful. I hope they're foundational for a lot of the work that I want to do. And I think they will be. I think, you know, as I look forward and, and think about what I want to create next in, in five years and in 10 years, God willing, um, these will be foundational. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I'm gonna, I'm, when I'm 50, I'm going to be creating something different. Yeah. When I'm 70, I'm going to create something different. So um, the mistakes that I make in this project at 34, which I'm sure that I did, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that I said things in this project that I will probably, when I'm 70, I may think, you know what? I don't really believe that anymore. That's going to happen, but I'm going to be working on something else then. What... trying to think of how to ask this question what keeps you wanting to do that next project man I don't know <laughs> I don't know what, that's an honest that's an honest answer know. big time honest it's a it's kind of an addiction you start yeah it really is it, it is kind of an addiction but it also is I, I truly do feel like it's a calling. Yeah. And so when you feel like it's a calling, when you accept you, you have a calling on your life, um, what can you do? What can you do? You walk. You can walk away from it, or you can ignore it, and but it's always gonna it's always gonna claw at you. Yeah. And that's what's in, in windows of time where I've said I'm tired of failing, and there have been moments where I've said it doesn't feel good to fail. Yeah. I'm gonna pause. At some point, I go sit in my office at 5 a.m. and reach for my journal and start a new project. It always happens. Mm -hmm. And now I've I've kind of just accepted that where 
I'm working on something new now. Yeah. This just came out. I've been working on new stuff now. And, and whenever that's done, I'm going to work on something else. Okay. Before, <laughs> before we end, ready for rapid fire questions. Don't, yes. Don't think. Just okay. 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 I probably am not good at this, by the way. Okay, I don't care. You're gonna you're gonna do it. Like, get over it. Okay. Okay. Um, this if we have to edit anything, this is gonna be where I say, wait, don't put that in the world. I'm gonna leave every single one of them in. <laughs> okay, right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, when the pressure is building, for me, it's when like my shoulders are hunching uh-huh. up. Okay, so when your shoulders are hunching up, when there's too much, like just rushing through your mind, what's the first thing you do? Retreat. Retreat. Okay. By myself, get somewhere by myself. Okay, isolation. Yeah. Isolation. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's something people get wrong about you? Hmm. See, I'm not good at rapid fire. I think I have. I think people think that my ideas are a lot safer than they actually are because I have. I haven't shared them fully mm. until recently. I've had I've had rich ideas and, and yeah. ideas that I feel like are outside of the normal yeah. box, but for for um, my nature is to not share those all the time. Yeah. But I'm getting to that place where I am. These yeah. books definitely do that, um, and so that so that 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 I'm a safe thinker. Yeah. When I actually feel like I'm I'm a very very in some ways uh, outside the box thinker. Okay. What show are you into right now? Oh man, uh, we just finished. You know what show I really loved was Tehran on Apple TV. I started the first one and then just like you know, the yeah. holidays happened and I and I didn't want, but I I really liked it. We, we 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 blew through it. We we loved it. We just blew through the Undoing. Okay, I haven't the seen Undoing. it. It's on it's on HBO. Um, it's got Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant okay. in it. Yeah, I'll have to um, watch that. It's like a it's like a whodunit kind of thing. Okay. It's so it's you you won't be able to 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 watch it in multiple sittings. You just gotta okay. you know say. I'm staying up till 2 a.m. Get over it. Got it. it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what's on your nightstand? My nightstand is a book that has been on my nightstand for a really long time, maybe yeah. at least a decade, which is Walking on Water by Madeline Lingle. It's, yeah. It's the best book on art and the Christian life that I think exists. Ah. And I've, I, I've when, torn when that book a, up. When I was a kid, Wrinkling Time was my favorite uh, novel. Okay. We'll go fast. Um, where could you be if you could be anywhere right now? Hmm. Somewhere way out in West Texas in a cabin Mm. with my wife. Okay. What's some advice someone gave you that you'll never forget? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of advice that it would be from my dad, mm. who would have given me some advice along the way. Um, it doesn't have to be succinct. It's just it's what, not, did, what did you what did you learn from your dad? What's your favorite thing you learned from your dad? Man, my dad is my dad is such a hard worker. Yeah. Uh, he he's a, he's the kind of guy that has always just like he, he he's he has his own version of five a.m. writing yeah. that he's done his whole life, and just watching him work and his work ethic, but also staying positive, staying. Motivated, seeing that Chris, right? Steve. Steve. I was close. Yeah, there's an close. S in it. There's, a, there's an S in it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't. I, I think I think it would be it would be work hard, stay positive, stay hopeful. Okay, cool. Um, favorite meal? What's your favorite meal? Um, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go steak. Steak. Oh, yeah. good one. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
What's the next brave thing you'll do? Get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> I don't feel like that's brave anymore. I feel like it, it, it's a... Oh, it's a ritual? It's a ritual yeah. at this point. Um, I think the next brave thing I'll do is to start actually sharing my mm. ideas out loud. Yeah. It's no longer just books. It's no longer just me working. It, it's actually... Yeah. And it's not just a story or a novel. It's actually philosophical, spiritual ideas that carry weight. And when you put those out in the world, people are going to judge you. Yeah. Uh, they're going to push back. And so the next brave thing I do is to stand behind those ideas no matter what happens. Okay. The best joke you know. I can't say it here. I understand. Tell it to me later. <laughs> um, what are you deeply grateful for right now? Deeply grateful for family. Family. Family is, um, yeah, and deeply grateful for... Why right now? Why, why right now? Why are you deeply grateful for family right now? I mean, I've, I've been grateful forever, but... Sure. For, for them forever, but just in this season of life I'm in, I have, I have two kids, two yeah. young kids, and, and, you know, putting up a Christmas tree and watching them decorate it and knowing that these are the memories that yeah. they're going to carry with them it's a sense of gratitude that I get to be a part of these memories they're making and trying to trying to foster that foster wonder in them foster yeah. good things in them so grateful that I'm able to do that yeah okay so if I so if I want to find theology yes. where can I find theology you can find it on Amazon uh, Craig Cunningham you know search theology Craig Cunningham yeah. or you can go to uh, I'd rather you go to my website craigscunningham.com uh, you can find out a lot of information about the books, or you can also find me on social media, cool. and I'll be posting about them. Cool. Awesome. Craig, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here and happy to be back Be back happy with the Bailey line. Yeah. I yeah. Know. I know. Awesome. Cool. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Joe. So that's my interview with Craig Cunningham. I hope you enjoyed it, I hope you got something out of it, and I hope you feel energized to ship your creative work into the world. You could probably tell that Craig and I get really jazzed about this conversation. I also apologize for the number of tangents that we go off on. Uh, it's very historically accurate for a conversation between Craig and myself. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. As we're entering the full-on holiday season, the Baylor Line Foundation hopes that you'll stay especially safe this year but also find ways to have joy with those that you love. Please be safe. Please have fun. And please, join us again next year for all new episodes of Direct Line. I'm Jonathan Platt. <laughs>